Welcome to Everything Scary. My name is Lynn, and I'm here with my co-host, local celebrity. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, international celebrity. Thank you. Matt McLean. Hello, hello. <laughs> Every Tuesday, we release a new episode, mostly true crime, but we've also been known to cover a pandemic, a haunting, a super mad, super strong chimpanzee. We'll cover anything and everything scary. Please rate us five stars and join us on Instagram at Everything Scary Pod. Here we go. Hello. Hello, and good morning. And how are you? <laughs> Same as I was just a couple minutes ago when we tried to do this for the first time. And you know nothing about how to run the board, so you screwed us. Thank you for that. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't say that. Maybe you do know something about You know what? The no, board. you're absolutely oh, yeah. within your right. I do not know anything about that board. To me, I thought it was just for you to look cool. Mm-hmm. You Both. brought it from home. That's correct. That <laughs> just, is correct. There's no wires underneath that thing. It's just a flat piece. <laughs> Nothing's plugged in. <laughs> no. As soon as I leave, you're like under the arm, carried to your car. <laughs> That's one thing I do notice being in radio and being in the audio business is like somebody that's DJing for like TV show or something, you'll notice the cords aren't plugged in or a switcher isn't really? on. Yeah, like, and I'm just like, oh, that's garbage. <laughs> I was watching wrestling once and there was, they were a DJ at a wrestler's wedding. Didn't have a power plugged in. Oh, and I was God. Like, oh, my God, this is so fake. And then I stopped myself, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. Okay, this is the arena that we're in. You know, we're going to suspend oh disbelief. And you're still, like, still hold, you're clamoring on <laughs> to the fact that maybe there's a, a fraction of that that's real. But, no, I feel the same way when, like, a serial killer brings their cell phone. You know what I mean? I'm oh, like, it's ah, like, wrecking uh, mistake. <laughs> Ever heard of getting pinged? <laughs> so I have the coolest thing that I need to tell you about. All right, I am listening. So with um, our podcast producer company, it's called Buzzsprout. Okay. They now have this thing that's called a AI co-host. Whoa. And this is your walking paper. <laughs> oh, my kidding. God. This is how I find out the AI co-host. No, but do you know what it does? So it's $20 a month. Okay. And I just give them $20, and then I say, here's my episode. And they go, okay, we're thinking about your episode. And then they generate all of the information so that, like, it's all written up so that I can put it in the episode description and the episode title. Oh, wow. So I want to read to you what they did for, so the third O.J. Simpson. Okay. So I did it for part two and part three. Oh, my God. Um, so I just, I have to read to you what it says. Okay. Um, let me just, give me one quick second here, because I am ill prepared. Wow. Can I tell the story about my t-shirt? Yes, please do. While you get prepared, mm -hmm. I am wearing, it is, uh, we are kicking off Pride this month, and I am wearing a Rolling Stones Pride shirt that I got, so it's the Stones logo with the Pride flag in the tongue, and which I love the Stones, probably my eighth Rolling Stones t-shirt. Wow. I love Pride, probably my fourth Pride t-shirt. Okay. Uh, um, And I was talking to a friend, and he's like, awesome. He's like, I love representation. And I was like... Which I do, too. Don't get me wrong. And he's like, oh, no. What? And I was like, well, I'm kind of using it also as a little bit of bait. And he's like, oh, God, what are you doing? I'm like, not like that. I was like, it's not like that. Oh, to get you a fella? Uh, yeah, that's what he thought. I was like, no, well, maybe. Well, but I mean not for that. I would like, I like the thought of kind of an older, maybe homophobic, transphobic person who's into the stones. So he's wearing a Confederate flag jean vest, and that's yes, it. Yes, that is it. Got it. 
Ideally, okay. chewing tobacco. Of course. Or smoking tobacco. Either or just like one of those it. little, like, what are they? Like, just little. Like a little thing of a wheat? Yes, like a, a wheat. Little thing a of stick wheat. just chewing on it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like the idea of maybe triggering a homo or a transphobic person with my Rolling Stones officially licensed pride right, t-shirts. Right, right. And then ideally we would get into it and I would beat and them then, up and be a hero. Yep. And all of your, your <laughs> gay friends would be there. They'd be cheering you on on the other side. All the hot ladies, they're cheering yes. you on. Yes. Okay. I, right? I see your vision. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're in the right country. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, your parents do go to Florida a little bit, maybe. That is true. That is true. <laughs> we will see. But yes, that is my vision. Yep. Well, you know what? I know it's not right, by the way, to want to beat people up for any reason. I get it. And I'm not a violent person in nature. Well, one of your um, your coworkers here is he's gay and he's in love with Sean Mendez. Apparently, he's in love with Sean. Well, sh- uh, shirtless Sean Mendez. Only I don't shirtless. know if he has time for him when he's got a shirt on. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, Sean like Mendez us. without a shirt on, it. <laughs> like you with me. I'm like, get out of here. Yeah. Take that shirt off. Take that shirt off. Or we're done here, buddy. <laughs> but uh, I hear you all the time giving him trouble about Camila Cabello because oh, yeah. <laughs> it's <right>. so funny. <laughs> He's so bummed out that they're back I together, know. right? I love that. That is so funny. I'm actually really happy that they're back together. So am I. Bam Bam, when Camila Cabello came out with that song, I was like, just rip my heart out. <laughs> I was devastated. <laughs> Yeah, um, I like him. I mean, he's got some mental health issues, so I like that he's back with her. And who her. doesn't? That is also true. Like, I can't put my finger on one of my friends. that d- Actually, there's a couple of that are fine. Most of them are like me, though, and we're messed up. Yeah, it's like <laughs> back in the day, there was the stigma around having mental health issues. Now it's the stigma around not having any. It's like, uh, what have you done in your past that yeah, you think you're yeah. so normal, buddy? Or are you just <laughs> drunk all the time? You don't realize that you have mental health issues? Mom juice. <laughs> okay, so listen to this. So this yes, is the third O.J. Simpson episode, okay? okay? Discover the masterminds behind the infamous O.J. Simpson defense team and the strategies that led to his acquittal in the thrilling conclusion of our three-part series. Ooh, I like that part, that thrilling conclusion. Way better than the stuff I wrote. I'm like, hey, guys, listen to this shit. You're like three (laughs) slash three. That's how she writes it. That's how you know it's a third part. First and foremost, you're being very rude to me. Did you do that three slash? Yes. You knew that. You had to know that. I did, yeah. I listened to it all the time. (laughs) First of all, you're so rude. Okay, listen. You'll be captivated by our in-depth exploration of the expertise of each team member, including (laughs) Johnny Cochran, F. Lee Bailey, Barry Sheck, Peter Neufeld, Alan Dershowitz, Robert Shapiro, and Sean Hawley. How the iconic, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit, became a pivotal moment in the trial. Totally. Why is this AI smarter than anyone I know? (laughs) <laughs> this is like Keith Morrison doesn't even talk this well. Yeah. Does talk this well <laughs> make sense? Keith Morrison ain't that good of a talker. Yeah, I know. Keith that. Morrison right. doesn't talk that good. Um, we also dive deep into the racial dynamics that played a significant role in the case, taking a closer look at prosecutor Christopher Darden's responsibility for the infamous glove incident and the advice he received from Marsha Clark. Learn about former Los Angeles District Attorney Gilbert Garcetti's meeting with our former president, Jimmy Carter, and how OJ enlisted the help of a mock jury to strategize for the trial. That's crazy. First and foremost, I don't even know that I mentioned Gilbert Garcetti in all of our coverage. Uh, And secondly, um, prepare to be disappointed after you read that phenomenal description, (laughs) because that's a lot for us to live up to. I don't think we knew (laughs) I kind of like, I think we're, we're writing that 3-3. Yeah, 3-3. Three. Three get in here. That's what I write. But it's like, get in. It's like, ear, E-R. Get on in it. Come on and get it. 
Finally, reflect on the lasting impact of the O.J. Simpson trial and its intersection with celebrity culture in this gripping episode. From Christopher Darden's role in the glove incident, Mark Furman's involvement in the case, and Johnny Cochran's powerful closing statement to the controversial aftermath of the not guilty verdict. Spoiler alert, uh, AI. <laughs> uh, we'll leave you with a newfound understanding of one of the most talked about trials in American history. And then... It goes on to say, support the show if you're interested in receiving bonus episodes. Da, 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 da. Oh, wow. Nice. Thank you, AI. Wow. That's um, terrifying, actually. <laughs> That's, so it, it listens to the episode and cranks out a description. In minutes. Yeah, that's cool. It's really scary. I do. Uh, do you ever play with chat GPT? No. That's the, uh, obviously, the, the chat portion of AI. Okay. That's pretty fun. I was like... My dad was trying to explain inflation to me. And so I was like, oh. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I went into chat GPT and I was like, explain inflation like Hulk Hogan would at a WrestleMania. And it's like, let me tell you something, brother. When supply outpaces demand. And I was like, oh my God. You're this kidding is amazing. me. Like you could have, what's it, Bluey, Bloopy? Who's that thing that you it's kids? Bluey. Blue, oh my God. I just get death stare from Mama Bear. <laughs> you could have like Bluey explain like long division to your kids or something. Somebody's got to. Oh, sure. I wouldn't mind a little <laughs> refresher either. Actually, my kid is like, she's like, Mom, do you know all the continents? And that, uh, she knows that Australia is the smallest. She knows all the oceans. Continents or consonants? You know what, Matt? I'm, I'm not so- sure. All right. But I know that A E I O U and sometimes while your vowels. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> Watch your back, artificial intelligence. Yeah. You got the natural <laughs> shit coming after you. <laughs> Oh, whatever. I'm going to send my daughter after you. She's seven. (laughs) Okay. So here's what we're going to do today. We've had a lot of requests for this case. I was going to make it a Patreon-only case, but then it turned out to be a little bit longer than we ideally want the Patreon cases to be. And there's a lot that actually goes into this case, so I wanted to put it out there on the regular feed and then see what people's opinions are because I thought it was just pretty cut and dry. They have made an arrest in this case. Uh, But... There's a lot of kind of me. Oh, little yeah. me. Little consonants. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I just say words. Hopefully they work out. <laughs> uh, you know, that's okay. It's acceptable. Some of us have made a career out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I listened back on one of the other ones and we were talking about uh, the right to a speedy trial. Oh, yeah. You literally just strung together words for like Probably. a solid two minutes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, and all that to say, I don't know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. BS uh, specialist over here. Yeah. <laughs> so we're doing the McStay family disappearance. The McStay family mm-hmm. disappearance. And at the top here, I said, so I really hope everybody loved our OJ coverage because um, by the time that we were done in this studio, we had very numb butts. It yes. was a long day. And one of us was pitching that we would do a dual massage train, which I <laughs> rejected. <laughs> Emphatically. <laughs> it was that weird homophobe guy that was, was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that <one laughs> Why homophobe. do you keep asking? <laughs> it was actually your... Um, the landscaper? Well, yeah, the landscaper that just kept driving past the window like... Let's <laughs> <laughs> <must> look tense. <laughs> Let me in there. Okay, so the McStay family consisted of Joseph McStay, who was born on November 20th, 1969, Summer McStay, born on December 27th, 1966, and they had two young sons, uh, Gianni Giuseppe Martelli McStay, 
So he has both of his parents' last names. Any chance uh, some Italian descent? Oh, yeah. There? Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Johnny Giuseppe? Johnny Giuseppe. He was born on July 9th of 2005. And Joseph Matteo Martelli McStay. Just a lot of, a lot of, it's like J-M-M-M-M. That's my name in Italian, Matteo. Matteo? I think so. Either that or Stonat. Italian people are dying laughing right now. What is Stonat? It's like dumb dumb. Really? Yeah. I used to work for an Italian guy and he'd be like, you know, if you were Italian, your name would be Kid Stonat. So I'd always tell that to Italian people. They always get a kick out of it. Well, it's I'm kind a man of, of self deprecating, though. Yeah, they like it. <laughs> oh, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> Stogazza. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't even know what that means. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it means um, perform oral sex on me, please. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Oh, I need to stop yelling that at the PTAs. Then. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stogazza. <laughs> I, th- I think that's what it means. I love the fact that yeah, it's polite, though. Like, Perform oral sex on me, please. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it means something very more like a more of a graphic. Blow me. Yes. Got it. Well, suck my, yeah, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Remember I told you I know Portuguese? Yes. Chupar mi pila. Oh, what does that mean? Exactly what you just said. Oh, nice. Okay, good to know. I'll bring that up to PTA meetings. First of all, you're going to get arrested just for being at the PTA meeting. That's true. <laughs> when you don't have, when you're not a P. <laughs> you can't be at the T. <laughs> Or the A. It's discriminatory, but one hour. <laughs> I just heard the T and A, and I thought I would yeah. love it here. <laughs> yeah, is this cool? <laughs> Turns out we're weird? just talking about freezy drives. This is <laughs> <Yeah>. weird. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I know how to say suck my dick in like nine languages. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll do you good at the hot dog. Remember you were trying to learn all the condiments? That's true. Now in you can just languages. tell everyone. <laughs> oh, my God. Somebody taught me. <laughs> so... The family were, they were living in a new home that they had just purchased about three months prior to the events that we're about to discuss. This new home was in Fallbrook, California, which is just north of San Diego and has a population of about 30,000. Okay. So not that big. Yeah, nice little town. Yep. They lived in an upper middle class home and their home was on Avocado Vista Lane. Oh my God. That's because it's like the Avocado. Perfect. Capital? Capital. Is that a thing? Yeah. In Bradford, we were the carrot capital. We had uh, Willie. Yeah. Willie, because uh, it was Bradford West Willenberry, and we had Willie the carrot. But that doesn't necessarily, wait, I mean, they get produced more carrots than any other town? Bradford is actually one of the biggest producers in all of Ontario. Well, I know the marsh there is just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Summer smells like pure cow shit. Yeah, that is true. Mm-hmm. But one of the offshoots of that is all the, like, they hire, like, migrant workers from, like, Mexico, oh, yeah. and then they settle there. And, and then they make Mexicanada. The yes! It's exactly right. Best authentic Mexican restaurants in Bradford. I dropped my kids off at my parents' house the other weekend, and then I just went by myself to a a Mexican restaurant and sat there and ate a combo platter for one with a margarita. Like, I was living my best life. It's your best life. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Some people are ashamed to sit and eat alone. Not me. I'm ashamed to sit and eat with someone else. (laughs) (laughs) So, like I said, they just moved here three months prior, and they were doing all sorts of renovations on this house. Plus, they had. Two dogs, a puppy named Digger and an eight-year-old dog named Bear, as well as their two toddler-aged children. So, as you can probably imagine, their home was absolute chaos. Yep. To put it nicely, there's tons of pictures of this house, and it was just, you're not sure what was supposed to be there and what was just a really big (laughs) accident. Right. They were redoing their counters, their floors, and painting all while living out of the home. Mm. Not to mention, Joseph owned his own very successful business called Earth Inspired Products, which is a very unique business. He was designing, building, and installing beautiful 
indoor and outdoor waterfalls. Okay. So, like, think if you were to go to, like, a really fancy hotel, like, behind the reception desk. It's, I would say more so at a, like, a resort. Oh, okay, like, okay. Um, I'm thinking, like, somebody's pond or something. They the could do that, too, but they but did indoor like, ones that would just kind of circulate. Yeah, cool. So the whole wall would be a, a waterfall. And while the business belonged to Joseph, he was more so the guy that would engineer the waterfalls, and he had a creative eye. So for his marketing and online presence, he would have a partner whose name was Daniel Cavanaugh. And he was responsible for their website and basically anything online. And it was said that Daniel was a genius when it came to anything and everything that had to do with the online world. And that arrangement worked for both of them. For the most part, in 2009, Daniel had caught wind that Joseph had apparently been doing deals behind his back. Uh But Joseph, is it's his business, right? Oh, yeah. So I'm unsure of what their arrangement actually meant, but apparently Daniel believed that he was entitled to 50% of the profits from any sales, the, just for being the online presence. Right. This is 2009, too, so I, I guess, I think nowadays online presence is very, it's... Oh, for sure. It's it has to be there, not yeah. way more. Exactly. So later, when the cell phone of Dan Kavanaugh would be analyzed, they would find a bunch of texts that were sent to Joseph, and he would say to his partner, you treat me like a kid, like I'm dumb or some shit. If you're trying to postpone handling this um, because you don't like confrontation, it wouldn't be to your benefit. Dan would say, and he would threaten things like, what is the site worth to you in your future? Um, And he would say, the later you respond and deal with this, the worse it's going to be. And your site will be gone from the engines. I'm giving you till tomorrow and I'm not fucking around. Whoa, gone from the engines. Yeah, hey. That's a good line. Yeah. Gone from the search engines. Oh, oh shit. I thought it was like written on Thomas the Tank. (laughs) Thomas the Tank. (laughs) They're two, they're four, they're six or eight. What is that? Shunting trucks in, hauling freight. Oh. You don't know Thomas? I don't think so. It's been around since like 1947. Really? Yeah. God, wasn't a big Thomas the Tank Engine? Are you for real right I, now? I don't think I so. I don't think you have to be a big Thomas the Tank Engine. to. I've been on Thomas himself. Oh, what a brand. <laughs> Before the kids. This was a young Lynn. <laughs> we Wild went to, and fancy free. To Oxbridge. Haven't you ever seen Thomas drive around? Oh, that heritage. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, we went on him. Have. Nothing spectacular about being on the inside of Thomas, I'll tell you that. Really? Yeah, <laughs> no. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> Ideally, you would say the tank engine after you say Thomas instead of, oh, I rode Thomas. It wasn't anything special. <laughs> Poor Tom. <laughs> so Joseph would respond by saying, you wish the best for me and my family, but you have no problem destroying our livelihood. So all that is to say that uh, things weren't always perfect between the two partners, but that was in 2009, and the story I'm about to tell you takes place in February of 2010. Okay. So on February 4th of 2010, Joseph McStay had spoken to his father at about 10.39 a.m. Joseph would end his call with his dad by saying that he would speak with him later because he was running to a business meeting. Little did his father know this would be the last time he would speak with his oldest son. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. So in 2010, Joseph was 40, Summer was 43, Gianni was four, and Joseph Jr., who they called Chubba, was three. <laughs> I'm sure that uh, won't give me any issues. You know, it's really, it's so funny that you say that because on one of the podcasts that I listened to, mm-hmm. they were talking about this and it was called uh, Obsessed with True Crime. And uh, Ellen was like, and they called him Chubba. And the, Patrick is uh, her co-host and he's like, don't act like that's cute. Yeah, that's right. not, that's bullying. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> she's like, they're not calling him chubby. They're calling him chubba. And he's like, you ask a chubby kid if that makes a world of difference. And yeah. see what they say. That's right. No, I didn't say you were fat. I said you were fatter. <laughs> Still hurts. Yeah, that's adorable, actually. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, did you say fatter? No, I said fatter. <laughs> So the family was extremely close. Summer was a real estate agent before having her boys, but she had to quit to become a stay-at-home mom. And Joseph also had his real estate license, but he opened this very successful business and he opted to work at home instead of, you know, opening up a place for him to work outside of the home. He wanted to spend as much time with his kids as possible. Very hands-on, very, like, camcordered all of their... Oh, nice. Yeah, he's a really good dad. Yeah, yeah. not even really. Like, just playing on the swings, just being kids. All even slept in the same bed, which sounds like my nightmare. Is it a king-size bed? Like, I don't know. But kids, I don't know how they turn into seven feet tall monsters when they're in your bed. Like, it's just like you've got a foot in your eye. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not exactly sure. And they're still hot breathing on your face. I'm like, how are you bending this way? foot in my face and (laughs) breath on my face. You're breathing on your own foot. Can you feel that? (laughs) So um, they were very literally always together. The family enjoyed getting out regularly and going for bike rides and playing in local parks. But of course, Joseph still had a business to run. So as hands-on of a dad as he was, he was still very much glued to his phone. Which I think is just what dads are nowadays. Yeah, I mean, waterfalls don't solve themselves. That's exactly right. My husband is literally like, I don't think I've seen his face in the last three years that isn't illuminated by the glow of his phone. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, (laughs) Wow, you must have a ton of girls on the side. Your thoughts? <laughs> side chicks. If <laughs> anybody's seen the Camilla memes, like we know that. <laughs> stay hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> One day you can have my child's foot in your face. <laughs> <laughs> this could all be yours. Yeah. Play your cards right. <laughs> um, so when no one had heard from him after you know, the fourth, people were slightly concerned because, mm-hmm. like I said, he's always on his phone. But when Dan Kavanaugh would get in touch with Joseph's parents, whose names were Susan and Patrick, uh, this was February 9th now, so we're talking like, you know, five days later, mm-hmm. Susan asked Dan if he would be willing to go by the McStay home and see if he could get eyes on anyone. And so that's what he did. The home was all locked up, but Digger and Bear were in the back, and they had a bowl full of, like, fresh food and water. Uh, so that pacified mm. everyone for the time being. Oh, right. Then nothing seemed odd. Well, they're dogs like, okay. the dogs are fed. Like, they've yeah. been missing for five days. Obviously, somebody's been here within five days. Right. So, when they still hadn't made any contact after a few more days had passed, Susan asked her younger son, Michael, if he would go to the house and check. And he did. And again, the dog's food bowls were full. So, he decided that he would move the bowls. And when he returned the next day, if they had been moved, likely he would know that at least Summer and Joseph had hired someone to take care of the dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, which would mean that they anticipated being gone. When the family went missing, it happened to be right around the, the federal holiday President's Day. So <laughs> on my uh, the podcast that I was just telling you about, they're so funny. And she's like, who even knows? I couldn't even, if you Venmoed me a million dollars right now, I couldn't even tell you what month President's Day is. She's like, it's just like one of those days where like, go to open the bank door and you're like, oh, fuck, it's President's oh Day. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Is it uh, their president? Is it president's? No, that's Memorial Day. Is in May, President's Day. I'm gonna it, go with February because that's where we are right now. <laughs> it goes with something. Is that what it is? I, I would assume. Okay. <laughs> Why? It, oh, it, I know it coincides with one of our holidays. So maybe it's uh, Valentine's Day, Family Day. 
Family Day's it's it's a it's the end of February, is it not? It's different every year. Yeah. So it's like the last Monday in February, I believe. Yeah, okay. I remember the first one was on February twenty eighth because my dog had puppies. Oh, yeah. that's always um, way grosser than you think it's going to be. Placenta pasta is what I like to describe that as. Oh, my God. <laughs> you are gross. <laughs> oh, my God. We all think of dogs as these, like, just magical creatures that just love us, and they're so in tuned and everything. Watch one of them give birth, and then yeah. tell me if they're that magical. And then, well, actually, watch one of them clean up. Yeah, and then for like a month afterwards when she just follows her babies around and eats their shit off of the ground. Mm -hmm. And then you want to lick in your face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was Mm -hmm. the first family day. Nice. So uh, yeah, President's Day was uh, happening at that point in time. So Michael figured maybe they just took an extended holiday and jetted off somewhere and paid somebody to take care of the dogs. So he moved those bowls and the next day they had been moved back. So he knew that somebody was for sure tending to these dogs. Michael checked the perimeter of the house, and while he was able to find an open window, he had to kind of jimmy it open, and he got inside. And what he found in the house was a bit more alarming. Like I said, everything was chaotic, Mm -hmm. but it looked as if the family had just gotten up in the middle of a planned night in and just left because there was groceries still on the table. There was like a carton of eggs still sitting there. Oh, weird. Especially nowadays. Imagine if there was a carton of eggs sitting there. We'd be like, there's no way. No no one would leave that out. That like, costs $17. Yeah, who's a millionaire? <laughs> yeah. Um, there was also two small kid-sized bowls of popcorn that were sitting on the table. It was hard to tell what was renovating clutter and what was just weird clutter. But the food stuff being left out was certainly strange. So Michael decided what he would do is he would write a letter to the person that Joseph had hired to take care of the dogs and see if he was able to get a little bit more information as to where this family could possibly be. How do you write be. a letter? Oh, like and just leave it in the house? Yeah, uh, we'll leave it with the dog food, yeah. I got you. So that's what he did. He uh, wrote a letter, and he was shocked when the call that he got came from Animal Control, advising him that they were about to seize the dogs because they had received a call from a concerned person saying that the dogs were being left outside night and day recently. And the caller didn't believe that they had any food or water. So animal control had been coming by to feed the animals and would now be bringing them in. Oh, wow. Uh, So now Michael was realizing this, this may be a bigger issue. Yeah. He would call the sheriff's office and would advise them that no one had heard from his brother or his family in 11 days now. And just think they're kind of sitting on their hands thinking that. Yeah, it's all good. Listen, the dogs are getting fed. Trust your gut, people. So everybody was really starting to worry. The sheriff's office would tape off the McStay family home and begin to look around. It was hard for the authorities to figure out what was out of place because, like I said, there was everything was out of place. Did you spill on your pride shirt? I did. I just spilled coffee on my pride shirt. Doesn't make me very proud. Of you know what? Now that homophobe's going to have something on you too. Oh my God, He's the homophobes be like, won. <laughs> They won the first round. All right. All right, homophobes and transphobes. Yeah. This well, is war. <laughs> you may have struck first. I feel like the guy that you're fighting with is named like Digger. Yeah, or like Russell. Lyle. Oh my God. <laughs> is Lyle a redneck name? I think so. Okay. Well, yeah. fair enough. Oliver Lyles, hit us up. See, huh? That's <laughs> right. My apologies to everybody named Lyle. <laughs> Especially you, Menendez. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the sheriffs did find it a little strange that the food products had been left out. But aside from that, there had been no signs of a struggle. And when they say that, it always makes me think of one of my other favorite podcasts. They talk about having a kicking boss. 
vase. Vase? Yeah. yeah. Like at the front doorway so that like if somebody is taking you, you can just boot this giant vase over and then people will be like, well, the kicking vase is knocked over so there's <laughs> clearly something happened here. <laughs> just as a signal? Yeah. <laughs> like you just boot it over really quickly because we're like, if somebody picks me up and puts my arms in, like there's going to be no sign of a struggle. <laughs> hey, let me write that down. <laughs> And what else would uh, this person have to do? <laughs> I have a kicking face, though. Oh, so. shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, there's no blood anywhere. All the doors had been locked. There was really no reason to believe that anything nefarious had gone down. Maybe they had decided that they just wanted to leave, and that may be unfortunate, but it was in their rights to do so. Sure. But the officers would still obtain the cell records for Joseph to try and assist in finding the family. They would also ask friends, family, neighbors, if they knew anything about them being gone for an extended period, they were able to figure out that on the morning of February 4th, Joseph had a meeting with the man who he would hire on and off when he needed a welder. Uh, they were to meet in Rancho Cucamonga. Oh. Isn't that in California? You betcha. Nice. Wow. Look at you, geographical genius. I only know that from the movie Next Friday with Ice Cube. Because <laughs> Michael Rappaport mentions the Rancho Cucamonga uh, <laughs> What did he say? Cracker Killers? Um, Michael Rappaport is a huge Bravo fan. Oh, he flew himself <laughs> and bought his own ticket to BravoCon. He's obsessed. <laughs> I always see him on what, Watch What Happens Live, yeah. and I'm like, who is this guy? And he gets so fired up. He and gets so involved. Off. He's right into the scandal right now. And then that bitch with the earrings, <laughs> just give them fucking back. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Your husband's a piece of shit. Like, give him the fucking earrings back. What are you talking about? <laughs> I love it. Um, so, yeah. So, this guy's name was Charles, but he went by Chase Merritt. So Chase for Charles? Yeah, I guess so. Usually it's Chuck, but okay. I'll or Charlie. It. Yeah. But um, Joseph had told Chase at the end of this meeting that he was just headed home. And once they wrapped things up, and according to Cell Towers, that's exactly what he did. Joseph would continue on throughout the day making and taking work calls. And after looking at the surveillance camera of one of the McStain neighbors was when they got what would be their next viable hit. At 7.47 p.m., the cameras appeared to have picked up the family's white 1996 Azuzu Trooper. Ooh! Damn. Do they, is Azuzu still a thing? I do not know anything about cars. Oh, okay. Fair enough. When people ask me what kind of car I drive, I say a blue GMC. And you've got bike racks on your car now, too, eh? It's kayak rack. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more depressing this year, as I've had the dual racks for the last oh, five, no. and now I've just got the one rack. Oh, no. I, I just, know. I'm sorry, I just unlocked something, didn't I? That's okay. No, I'm fine. <laughs> oh, God. Now I'll be good. <laughs> oh, my God. It's all crashing down. Oh, no. no Get your therapist on the phone. <laughs> That's right. I need to talk to her real quick. <laughs> <laughs> takes a lot of vacation. Yeah, she needs <laughs> it's the it. the weirdest thing. <laughs> Only on the days that we see each other. <laughs> She's off every Monday. Like, wow, so you weird. take a lot of midweek vacations. <laughs> midweek daycations. Daycations. <laughs> so yeah, the Azuzu Trooper and this car would never come back. Now, it should be mentioned that you can't make it that this is an Azuzu. You can't make it anything. You can see it's likely white. It's dusk, so it's very hard to make out. And it's the camera's pointed at the neighbor's front porch. Right. So it's like, it's very, it's off screen that you can see this white car go by. But if you knew that they drove all white or Zuzu, you could be like, oh yeah, that's probably, I can see that. You, you, but you could say that with anything, right? Sure. You could, so they do 
later on in the trial, we'll get into it, but they say like, well, this could be this Chevy truck or it could be this truck and a, a bunch of, everybody in this family's life owned a white vehicle of some sort. Right. So, so yeah, the vehicle that left never came back. And the last call that would be made from Joseph would be to the welder, Chase, that he had met earlier in the day. And that call was placed at 847. So what they suspect was that they left at 747, call went through at 847. So exactly one hour later. Uh, and this would go straight to Chase's voicemail. Mm. Sheriffs decided that they needed to run the plates for the white Azuzu, and it would come back to them that the vehicle had actually been impounded on February 8th. Ooh. Because it had been abandoned at a strip mall about half a mile away from the Mexican border. Is this ringing any bells for you at all? Not really. No, no. it's um, it was a documentary called uh, Two Shallow Graves. Oh, okay. Just nothing. No, okay. No. But the, like it was a. What year was this? 2010. But it, the documentary just came out. Oh no! No, I was thinking about that family recently that was uh, just over the border. They were killed by the cartels, and then the, yeah. the head of the cartel turned in the guys that were in his own cartel. Oh, that's nice. Was he a good guy? Well, I mean, as good as the head of a cartel could be. Oh, he was sure. the head of the cartel, too. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, but the thing is, He like, should have just written them up. You know, <laughs> <laughs> have a disciplinary hearing? Yeah, if yeah. he's the head. Like, guys, come on. Just call, chastise them. They know what... HR. <laughs> no, they beat the crap out of them and uh, tied them up and left them with an apology on the police. I think it was at the police station or somewhere where the police could pick them up and said, hey, listen, this was unsanctioned. We don't F with tourists. But we did. They did. They acted alone, not on behalf of the cartel. These gotcha. are some rogue garbage people mm-hmm. amongst a group of garbage people. Yeah, they gave them all Gatorades so that they had their <laughs> electrolytes. These like, guys sound great, to be honest. Um, so yeah, this is. it was half a mile away from the Mexican border, but it was 60 miles away from their home. Oh, interesting. So nothing seemed too off about the car, aside from the fact that there was brand new kids' toys in the back that were covered with a blanket. At first... The detective said that they went in and there's just this big white blanket covering like a mound of something in the back. And they were like very fearful. And then they pulled it off and it was like a kid's kitchen and a Mm -hmm. whole bunch of toys. Something a little strange was that the toys were from Ross, which is a department store, you know, right? I know Ross. Yeah, I don't know. It's not here. Um, But it's a department store. And there was a Ross in the strip mall that the car was left in, but it was determined that the particular Ross store that the toys came from wasn't that one. That's weird. It's just a random... Just an odd coincidence. Yeah. So... Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But the seats were in the appropriate positions for Joseph and Summer to have been sitting. And the kids' car seats were very well secured in the back seat, leaving no room for another person to fit in the car. Hmm. Plus, there was no sign of forced entry or struggle, and it was even determined through mall security that the Azuzu did not wind up in the parking lot until the 8th. So the family had been missing for four days before... Paul Blart saw the car. Paul Blart, mall cop, yes. He rode his little Segway over. Segway scooter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So at this time, and I'm not sure if this has changed in the last 13 years, but in 2010, you could walk or drive into Mexico without using your passport. I am sure that is... Oh, I don't know, actually. You need it to get back into the States. They won't allow you back in the States without a passport, but you can go right into Mexico without needing anything. Do you know how that works for Canada crossing? I don't think you can walk into Canada, though, can you? Because you can walk into Mexico. Yeah, you can walk into Canada. You can walk into the States from Canada. Did you, you listened to the podcast before when it was me and my sister, right? Oh, yeah. Did you ever hear about our um, going into America? I don't think so. All we were trying to do was go to Denny's. 
And then we got into the line to go to America. <laughs> and, and they were like, why are you going into oh America? And me and Haley were like, we don't want to go to America. <laughs> oh, like, you wanted to go to the Denny's in Niagara Falls? We just wanted to go Ontario. to... Yeah, yeah. The one that was, and then we ended up in this, this long lineup to get into the States. Oh, my God. And they're like, do you have your passports? We're like, no, we just want like a skillet. That's it. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're just looking for a moons over Miami, <laughs> officer. It was so embarrassing. And then we had to pay to get back into Canada. We're like, God damn it. That's our tip money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Well, yeah. good thing you didn't U-turn because some people will turn out of the lineup in the border and then, then they just pull you over. And over. Really? Yeah. No, we didn't. I, I was too scared to do it. But we were like, I'm like, how did I get into this line? And yeah. then like the guy's like, and he's so serious. And, oh, yeah. They do not. He's like, around. why are you going into America? I'm yeah. like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's obviously not by choice. Yeah. Stop being so mean. I just want eggs. You don't have any moons over my hands. <laughs> there it is. But uh, yeah, coming back into Canada, they were like, oh, you silly gooses. <laughs> I know this is super local and we have a lot of people listen from all over the world, but our little town that we record this podcast in, Barrie, Ontario, is getting a Denny's. That's fantastic. Yeah. When I did my Kingston pen tour, mm-hmm. there was a Denny's right beside my hotel. And oh I was like, God. this is like, it couldn't be any better than yeah. this for me. I was beside like, um, there was a burrito place. Ooh. There was an Arby's. Mm. And then there was a Denny's, and I was like, I don't know what. So what I did was I had the Arby's. Mm-hmm. Eleven o'clock at night, Uber ordered some some tacos to the. Room. Oh my god! <laughs> Uber ordered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am dainty. <laughs> I always thought a good idea would be a plaza across the border. So as soon as you cross the border into the states, like the Fort Erie border, it's got every store. That, ever known well no just the big ones like there's a trader joe's there's uh well we i guess we have chick-fil-a up here now yeah except um, on sundays yeah no sundays it's uh, the lord's day like all of the, like there's a target there you know there's maybe you know, a song we had target for a while burger well we didn't i we, did we did but we didn't i had target I used to work at the dental office in Hillcrest Mall in Richmond Hill. Yeah. And we had a Target there, and I was like, this... First of all, it's chaotic. Canadian Target... Sucked? Sucked. Really? Because it was used as a dumping ground for things that didn't sell sell in the States. They didn't put any effort into growing the Target brand. They didn't have... You go into Target in the States, it was completely different than Target in Canada. 100%. Yeah, because I was like, "What's the big deal?" I know we got all their trash. That's we what it felt like. Third rate brands. Yep, stuff that didn't sell. And um, it was the prices weren't even that great. I was like, "There's no. nothing super exciting about this." Nope. And then they all folded like jerks. Yeah, yeah. And it's like awesome way to take Zellers down with you in this odd. <gasps> Do you remember the weird little diner that was in Zellers? Hell yeah! And you'd have like it and just smelled cheese. like malt vinegar in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think Zellers is coming back now too. Yeah, I think we're getting one. Uh, we'll find out in the summertime. If we're like, you know what bear. didn't work 20 years ago? Let's bring it back. Everybody is so happy with the new Zellers. And it's like, do you not remember? <laughs> this store sucked. Yeah, no, it really did. Zellers, unless you needed track pants, Zellers sucked. But before, it was like Zellers sold all that champion stuff. That was like, oh, yeah. it was like all the shitty stuff. Now the kids think champion's cool. It's the greatest brand of all time. Do you know, yeah. my, my husband said, why don't you guys, and he's dead serious, why don't you guys get in contact with Lululemon and see if maybe they'll sponsor the podcast? I'm like, that's a good idea, actually. I think Lululemon might be doing okay without us. But um, <laughs> I know when I think true crime, I think tight pants. I don't know about you, but I think spandex 
true crime, it's a good fit. If I could get a discount at Lululemons, I would be happier than a pig in shit, I'll tell you that. Can I wear Lululemons? Do they make Lululemons for guys? Totally. Oh, yeah. Yeah? They'd make your butt look fantastic. I don't know. I feel like it would be like filling a Ziploc bag with cottage cheese. I just don't know if it's going to be the greatest look for me. It's n- No, it's an optical illusion. Every single time you see a girl wearing Lulu's and you're like, that is a fine piece of ass, that is not what you are signing on for. Oh, really? Lululemons has some sort of a scientific design that it's just like, we're going to make your butt look fantastic. Don't right. take us off ever. All right. <laughs> well, maybe for that one. <laughs> I think that maybe they should design some sort of a, um, like a crotchless chap so that you can still like get down and, and dirty, uh, but still have your butt have look your great. Li- wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Lululemon, you might need that. So yeah. TM, that's trademarked for it's me. Like if, uh, Lululemon bought the stag shop. <laughs> That's exactly right. A crossover. Crotchless. Look, there's some people that are like, please get on with the story, you stupid woman. Sorry. (laughs) Not you, me. Well, I have ADD, so I definitely (laughs) encourage these detours. That's why you better not eat the red pride cupcake that I gave you. No, I did not. Okay. Actually, I'm going to get one. Yeah, get one. Can you explain the uh, red, your red dye theory? Oh, yeah. I just never give my kids red food dye because they go mental. And uh, so I brought Matt some. Pride cupcakes, and so there's one red, green, blue, orange, yellow, and purple. And I just think that he should not have the red one because I don't think anything good comes from red food coloring. <laughs> Everything else is fine, though. Go blue. I think I'm going to go uh, orange. Go blue. Which one's blue? This one here? Are you colorblind? One? Yeah, I am colorblind. The top one. This guy here? Yep. Jackpot. hey oh Blue. Okay. Okay, you continue. Would you so, like one? No, thank you. Okay. So, yeah, you didn't need a passport. That's where we left off 45 minutes ago before, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> before right. the Lululemon buttless chaps came into play. <laughs> Although this didn't seem to make any sense. Firstly, it was known to her friends and family that Summer was actually very afraid of going to Mexico. Uh, she'd even downright refused before. Tijuana, sadly, in recent years had been linked to some sex trafficking and violent drug crimes. Friends of the couple had tried to organize a big friends and family get-together the year before, and Summer had said, no way, no how. Not in Mexico. No. You don't catch me there. No. She absolutely refused, especially with the small children. And why wouldn't they bring their car if they were going into Mexico? They could leave it right there? Yeah, and like with brand new toys in it? hmm So Joseph and Summer were not the type also who would ever, I don't think there's a lot of people who would ever just abandon their dog. Oh, yeah. My dog's an asshole, and I wouldn't abandon her. (laughs) Uh, It did not seem to make any sense at all, but nonetheless, they were able to comb through the security footage at the border, and wouldn't you know it, on February 8th, the same day that the Azuzu had been impounded, there was a family of four crossing the border into Mexico. Weird. Yes. The footage was grainy, but it was definitely a man with about the same build as Joseph holding the hand of a small child. And behind them was a woman with dark hair, and she was holding the hand of another small child. It was a promising lead, and most were sure that it had to be more than just a coincidence. Joseph's mother said that while she could obviously see similarities, she didn't recognize the man to be her son. She said that he didn't carry himself the way that Joseph did. Mm -hmm. And she also said that Joseph's hair was so curly, and like it was like chin length, that even when he wore a beanie, you could see like all of his hair poking at the bottom. Yeah. And this man did not have that hair. Uh, Detective Troy Dugall would get in touch with the National Passport Authority, who would advise that the only McStay to have a valid passport was Joseph. The children had never had one, and Summer had one, but it had expired. And she had made no moves to renew it. Get a new one. So on the 23rd of February, 
Interpol, which do you know who Interpol Ooh, is? Yeah, they're like um, the British. No, they're like the world. Oh, are they? Yeah, they're like the world police. Oh, I thought they were like Europe's big um, investigation. No, it's the world. It's an international organization that facilitates worldwide police cooperation and crime control. Oh, I I thought they were their own police department. It sounds like a a liaison. It's No, it's the world. Like, imagine you get in trouble with the world police. That would be horrifying. Shit, they take you in the hag. (laughs) (laughs) So they would release a worldwide missing poster of the McStay family. Further investigation would find that someone in the McStay family had presumably used a search engine on the home computer to Google what the requirements were needed to access Mexico. Um, And did children need passports to enter into Mexico? Hmm. So Joseph's brother, Michael, was shocked by these searches, and they had only been made on January the 27th, so about a week before the family's disappearance. Man, that's any like Google search, that search history stuff, like shit. It feels like it always pops up. And it's like, like you just like, what do you think? I love it when it's the searches are like, if I delete my search history, can cops still trace it? Oh my God. Yeah. You're yeah. like, yeah. We got you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in April of 2010, authorities would receive a call from a waiter who worked in Baja, California. Now, in case you did not know, Baja, California is in. Mexico. <laughs> oh. It is not the Baja and then the state California. Mm-hmm. It's Baja, California in Mexico. <laughs> okay. And I did not know that because in some articles I read and it was like Baja, California. In some articles it was like in Mexico. And then I looked up Baja, California and it's like it is a state in Mexico. And I was like, there okay. we have it. That's lovely and not confusing at all. <laughs> Especially because they're right beside each other. <laughs> so I got to the bottom of that. Don't worry. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> so the waiter was so certain that he had seen this McStay family because the youngest boy had a very distinct red birthmark on his forehead. Okay. And he said that this little kid had that exact same birthmark. And this family had been looking over a map of Mexico, which they happened to leave behind, being that both Summer and Joseph had real estate license says so they had all their fingerprints were taken because, you know, for security purposes. Why and is that? Oh, because for, like, I guess if anything goes missing or anything, like you're going into people's homes, right? Oh, okay. Maybe like an open house or something? Yeah, I would think that it's just probably safest to have all your stuff on record. But they had their, their fingerprints on record. And when they took this map, they dusted it for prints and neither of them showed up. Oh! Yeah. Red herring. That is crazy. Right? All right. I'm into it. <laughs> Just now. The rest Just, of it. That's right. The I last was snoozing. 48 minutes, I have <laughs> been not paying attention. <laughs> so I'm playing my Nintendo Switch. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Do you have a Nintendo Switch? No. Oh. The last video game platform I owned was, a, I believe, a Nintendo 64. Although. I do play a ton of, like, not games, but, like, games, like Solitaire. Yeah, Solitaire, Yahtzee. I have fooled my children because they have a Nintendo Switch. Mm -hmm. Um, For whatever reason, one day I came out, my daughter was trying to kill Bowser on Mario. And I was, like, watching her do it was painful. Mm -hmm. And so I just took the controller really quickly, and I bopped him on the head three times and killed him. And Whoa. and then I refuse to touch it again. So my I'm like a legendary status. That's exactly right. And so my kid, my middle son, he's just like mom's the best at Nintendo ever. Like she got through oh that one God. level. It was know. pure coincidence. And I was like, Olivia, you can't. I, I can't watch you do this anymore. So I just did it. And then uh, now he thinks I'm amazing. So I can never go back to it. No God, no. <laughs> so six months after the disappearance, their home was about to be foreclosed on. 
And Joseph's mother would have to go into their home and gather up all of her son's family's belongings, which had to be absolutely devastating. Mm -hmm. But three years and eight months later, on November 11th, 2013, near Victorville, California, in the Mojave Desert, a man on a motorbike would stumble across what he thought looked like a human skull. Oh, I don't like this. Nope. Authorities were called, and in two shallow graves, they would discover the skeletal remains of Summer Joseph Gianni and Joseph Jr. All had been beaten in the head by a mini sledgehammer. Oh, my God. And that was also buried in the grave with them. And this is where things get a little hazy. I'm sorry. Can you, did you say all four were in the grave? All four okay, were in the okay. grave with the sledgehammer that they had been beaten with. It seemed like there had been no end to the suspect list. But for your sake, I'm going to say that Joseph's brother, Michael, was a suspect. Mm. He was said to have been talking about his brother in the past tense, way before the bodies were ever found. He had also taken a fraudulent loan where he pretended to be the owner of Joseph's company in order to acquire the loan. Also, before the family had been found, in an interview, he said that he feared waking up to find out that the family had been found in two shallow graves, which is exactly how they were found. What? And it's an odd number to say, considering that there was four family oh, members. Yeah. Um, but he didn't do it. We'll just get that out of the way. Okay. Another suspect was Summer's ex-boyfriend, Vic. She had actually been with Vic and living with him when she started to get to know Joseph. Ooh. This ex of hers was allegedly still in love with Summer, at least according to the email that he had written her shortly before the family's disappearance. In the email, he admitted that he would always love her. This same ex of Summer's was spotted drinking at a bar that was located close to one of Joseph's business offices. Ooh. It was literally right beside it. So maybe a little stalking. A little stalking. And in 2004, he had threatened his neighbor and her daughter, shouting at them that he was ex-military um, and he was going to hurt them. But he didn't do it either. Okay. <laughs> Michael McFadden was a man who was now with Joseph's ex-wife. So okay. Joseph's ex was married to Michael. He had a very tumultuous relationship with Joseph and Summer. He had even threatened Joseph, saying that he needed to muzzle his wife or he would come and do it for him. Wow. Yes. He, he seems like a great guy. Uh, I'll tell you that. A lovely gentleman. <laughs> and uh, boy, you want to talk about respect for women. He checks all the boxes. Yeah, no, he's a dreamboat. Wow. In 2009, Summer would call the police on Michael because they had a child living there and Summer suggested that something bad was happening in the home that Joseph's ex-wife shared with Michael McFadden. This guy was not a good guy. He even broke into the home of an ex-girlfriend. He had kicked open her door and beaten her for an hour before she was able to escape. Jesus. Joseph's dad, Patrick, even went as far to publicly release Michael McFadden's legal records, to which Michael responded through Facebook Messenger, saying, keep running your mouth about me, loser. I'm about to expose you to the world as a despicable, broke loser that you are. And while this guy does not appear to be, you know, He's, a nice guy. He's not great. He looks like he's complete garbage, but he didn't do it either. He had mm. an airtight alibi with his work. Some people even believe Summer herself was responsible in some way because it would come out that Summer was actually born Virginia Lisa Aranda. She had a few different last names, uh, one being her maiden name, and she would often play around with the order of her first and middle name Okay. until she decided she wanted to go as Summer. And her sister Tracy said that there was nothing strange about this. Tracy said that she was just Summer Girl. That's what they called her. Summer. Yeah. And that name suited her as the person that she was. So Summer had nothing to do with it either. Hmm. That will bring us to our two main suspects. One of these individuals was found guilty in the four brutal murders of the McStay family. 
I'm going to run through some of the evidence that we have on both of these guys, and then I would love it if you would tell me who you think is the one that's been charged. All right. This would be fun. (laughs) So first, I'm going to tell you some more about Dan Kavanaugh. So he's the online guy. Right, who said, I will remove you from the engines. The engines. Promise the tank or not. (laughs) Yes, James. James, number five, the shiny red engine. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, um... You remember him from the charming messages that he had sent Joseph earlier. He was the web design guy He who felt entitled to half of Joseph's profits, which I think is really strange. Uh, it's he, a big stretch. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And he was very angry with Joseph for not giving him the money that he believed he was owed. Dan also had a really good female friend named Tracy that he had known for 10 years who came into the police office and said that Dan had confessed his crimes to her, according to her, so Daniel was the one who called Joseph's family and informed them that he had not talked to Joseph for five days. He was also the one to stand the alarm about the family being missing. Well, as it turns out, Dan Kavanaugh had gone into Joseph's PayPal on February 6th, two days after the family went missing, missing okay. and sent himself some money, about $3,000. Right. Dan also said that the reason Tracy went into the police and said that he had fessed up all of this information to her because that's what she said. She said that Dan confessed his crimes. He even told her that he had sexually assaulted Summer. Dan would say that Tracy had hoped that he would be in a romantic relationship with her. And when he turned down her advances, she told him that she was going to lie to the police to get him into trouble. What the hell is going on here? Ten years. Like, she's just been stewing with these feelings for ten years. And, like, this just, I don't know. All came out. Yeah. In one of his text rampages to Joseph, uh, Joseph would say to him, now I, Summer, and the kids know, quote, the real you and what you potentially would do to hurt me and my family. Hmm. Dan would respond, your sight will be gone from the engines. I will make my own phantom sight. The later you respond and deal with this, the worse it's going to (laughs) be. Dan would say in an interview later that he planned to wait until Joseph had paid back what he owed him, and then he was going to wipe the entire site off of the internet. Um, so what was the three grand for? Just some of the money that he thought he yep, was owed? But he okay. just felt like he was entitled to. Yep. Yeah, okay. So that was one of many payments he was probably going to make to himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So Dan had a girlfriend in 2010, so they went missing. She would later say in court that he was physically, mentally, and emotionally abusive towards her, and that... They said, are you afraid of Dan Kavanaugh? And she said, he makes me uneasy. That's what she said. Hmm. So that's a yes. Yes. However, that's a, I'm so afraid I can't say yes, yeah. so I'm going to say this instead. But exactly. it means yes. Yeah. Judge. However, she did claim that Dan was with her in Hawaii during the disappearance of the family. So it was said that uh, from like the end of January to the middle of February, they were in Hawaii. They also would provide photos, but they were electronic photos. Like, she emailed the detective photos mm-hmm. that were on Facebook from this time. So it's like, they could be... Weren't you know. even the original where you can get, exactly. like, a geo or anything like exactly. that. Is that a credible witness? Like, if somebody who is, like... Like, if you're fearful of somebody, that to me would mean, like, you'd probably bend a little bit to make them happy. You would think so, right? Yeah, so, and not to call in her credibility as a person, but I just mean in this situation, like, would you accept that alibi or would you not say... Hey, I think maybe she's probably trying to get this guy on her good side because she might be a little fearful. Yeah, you know, I think they had to kind of take what they could get at this point. Yeah, true. And they even, they were the ones to mention that it was electronic photos that they couldn't verify that Mm -hmm. they were from that time. Right. However, they did not have a hard copy of this picture. And if Dan 
really is the computer genius, then who's to say he just didn't change the date and the time, mm-hmm. right? We have to take a lot of this with the knowledge that Dan is a computer genius because there's a lot of things that he could... Yeah, okay, manipulate. Manipulate, perfect or word. blatantly just change. Yeah. Yeah. However, there were credit card purchases and cell tower pings that would cooperate with him being in Hawaii. But I watched an interview with this guy and he, oh my God. So Two Shallow Graves was broken into like six or seven episodes. Mm-hmm. And for the first like five episodes, they couldn't find Dan. And then when they finally did sit down with him, he was sweating and he was like really mm. shifty. And like when he was watching Tracy give her statement to the police, he was just like laughing uncontrollably, like almost like putting it on. Mm. Like he was like, look, she's such an idiot. Like, <laughs> and it was just like, uh, it was uncomfortable for me to watch. No shit. <laughs> so he also put out an ad in July of 2011. So the next year after they went missing where he would say that he was the owner of Joseph's company and he would end up selling the company for the small amount of $20,000. You can do that? When you're the internet guy, I guess you can. Right, of course. You just told me not to forget that. Now, what did I do? <laughs> First thing I did, how did this happen? You're fantasizing about beating up that homophobe again, I was, you? that's right. <laughs> Homophobes are going to get a bashing. <laughs> so one of the interviews that I watched was with uh, one of Summer's friends. She's like, yeah, and then, like, one day I got a call from, like, she knew another fountain guy, which mm-hmm. apparently the fountain business is booming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows that. And uh, the other guy was like, is Joseph McStay selling his business? And she's like, what do you mean? And, like, this ad had popped up. And so when they gave her, like, the paperwork on it as mm-hmm. they were interviewing her, she's like, oh, my God. Like, he sold it for $20,000. Like, I can't believe it. It's almost like an insult, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he could have gotten his money back but he chose to like make it insulting rather than beneficial yeah because i think yeah when you sell a company it it kind of looks like five something year, years down the road and that's what you value it as right the prob, you know something like that as somebody who buys and flips companies on the regular <laughs> trust me i know what i'm talking about. i know a thing or two about a thing or two let's just uh, say that much uh, <laughs> so now we have chase Merritt who's the welder that was the last call that Joseph had made that day. Charlie. Charles. Charlie. So he's the welder. Joseph had met with him on February 4th. He also happened to be the last outgoing. I love, love repeating myself. I'm like, I sound so good saying these words. I'm going to say them again. What did you say before? (laughs) I said he's the welder who he had met with Joseph and he was the last outgoing call. And now I'm just reading you that exact same sentence that I just said. Well, listen, in your defense, I was not paying attention (laughs) the first time I was fiddling with a pen. So I will put the pen on the counter and I will listen to your third, we'll call it a (laughs) three-peat. Now, what did Charles do for a living? <laughs> Charles was a welder. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, um, just randomly, uh, okay. who was the last person that... Joseph's uh, phone called? Yeah. It was Chase. You got to be shitting me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so his DNA was actually found on the steering wheel and the gear shifter of the Isuzu. But it was touch DNA. So that could have meant that he just shook Joseph's hand and then Joseph in oh, turn touched okay. the shifter and the... But Chase would say he had never driven this vehicle. Mm-hmm. However, four years later, his story would change, and he would now say he actually did drive it, but it was only like short distances. Doesn't count, right? Right, to and from church. <laughs> to and from church. <laughs> um, so he had actually done it three or four times, he said. Chase was actually no stranger to the back of a police car. He had been arrested in 1977, 
twice in 1979, and in 2001. All of his charges were always involving burglary. Okay. A little uh, taste of the finer things in life. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And Chase was known to be a gambling addict as well. Mm. In regards to the McStave family, Chase would go on CNN and answer some questions. And at one point in the interview, Chase would say, without a doubt, and that's in quotes, he was the last person who would see Joseph on February the 4th. This, to Joseph's father, Patrick, was something only the killer could possibly know. I know. Right? Why, yeah. Like, that would be like, we leave here today, and I'm like, for 1,000% for sure, Matt was was the last person he saw. No. Only if you were dead. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So I hope everybody's paying attention. Yeah. (laughs) Because this is how... Matt, this is, I'm going to be the last person Matt sees today, just so you guys know. Lynn guarantees it. (laughs) And that's a guarantee you can take to the bank. Yeah. You can take that, march it all the way into the bank, because I guarantee. (laughs) Um, So Chase would also go into Joseph's QuickBooks. Um, So Dan had taken it from PayPal. Yeah. Chase is going into QuickBooks. I think Joseph maybe was playing it a little bit loose and easy with his passwords. I would think so. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, That's that's kind of the impression I'm getting. And he would write himself checks on February 4th, 5th, and 8th. He would write himself checks adding up to $23,000. Well, that's an interesting number. He even went as far as to backdate the checks to February the 4th, which... When did they go missing? The 4th. Okay. So he would then call QuickBooks, and he would tell them that he wanted QuickBooks to be offline. So this was like the, you know second most expensive package that it was mm-hmm. available online and then he could get assistance if he needed to from the QuickBooks people. Yeah. But what he would say is that he wanted it to be offline. He wanted QuickBooks Pro, which is something that you install on your desktop yeah. and then only you have access to it. Okay. So the records would still be there. They would just be gone from the... The web portion or the Thomas cloud. the Tank engine. I got you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That engine. <laughs> he said that he wanted all of the records on the QuickBooks end to be expunged. Which is where you wash them with a sponge. That is, it's when you clear them. I've never heard of a record. I've heard of that, a record being expunged, but that's usually like a juvie record. And they said, the guy, terminology. At, the guy at QuickBooks said that in the entire like 10 years that he worked there, this was the fourth time he had somebody ask to do something like that. It's not a regular. Wow. Like they don't, they usually would like you to keep some form of a record. The other two were. Donald Trump and Wesley Snipes. <laughs> so, oh no! What did Wesley Snipes do? Uh, he's good now, but he was he was in jail for a few years for tax evasion. Oh bother! Now, I, you know, with somebody like that, I don't. He I doesn't. Don't, he has people. That's they kind of what I'm up. thinking is that he got fucked. But also, I mean, you know, that is your money. I do feel you have a certain responsibility to check in and maintain it. Okay, I will tell you this is I'm nowhere near as busy as Wesley Snipes mm-hmm. and I don't know anything about my taxes. I just get, we have an accountant. I just give all of my stuff to the accountant mm-hmm. and then I just hope for the best. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in Blade Trinity. No, that's right. <laughs> Not jail. I'm going to be in the movies. That's right. Wesley Snipes. <laughs> so, yeah, he didn't want anything to be online. So according to documents, Joseph had planned to fire Chase from working with him as he had to loan Chase $30,000 to clear up some gambling debt. So this is a very different version than the lunch date that Chase said that they had. Like he was saying, 
we're working on new business ventures together. You know, I'm going to do some welding. Mm-hmm. Love welding. Love welding. That's my Fire, jam. metal, mm-hmm. bring it to me. Helmet. I'm putting it together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, I consider this to be the most damning piece of evidence is the cell tower that was visible from the spot in the desert where the bodies were found. Chase's cell phone had pinged off of it on February 6th of 2010. Well, I mean... In the desert, the, the Mojave Desert. Yeah. I don't know why that makes a difference. I don't know what the Mojave Desert is. <laughs> this is fun. It's just good times all Mojave. around. Mojave. <laughs> so these last two guys have both done things that would make it look, in hindsight, like they knew that Joseph wasn't coming home. Mm-hmm. So who do you think was arrested? Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. You cell are. phone tower. Right among go. Cell phone Right among go and Rancho Cucamongo. <laughs> Cell phone tower, man. Come on. Well, people Chase lie? has a reason for it. Uh-huh. So Chase was arrested on November the 5th of 2014. On November 7th of 2014, police would make the announcement that they had Chase in custody. And on January 7th of 2019, his trial would begin. Bum, bum, bum. Mm. <laughs> do you do the music for CSI? Uh, wow, it's Law and Order. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got a uh, a DM about the second. It was one of our patrons. I you say DUI. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. No, I'm sorry, just kidding. Oops. Okay, what? See it? A DM? A DM? Yeah, from one of our patrons, and they have listened to the second OJ episode. And there's a. A part where you're eating powdered donuts. That's not the pouty D part. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> but you're like, what time is it, motherfuckers? Oh, my God. Is it meaning a donut? <laughs> and she's like, we need that on merch immediately. What time is it, motherfuckers? Oh, my God. Everything's scary time. <laughs> it's pouty D time. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you're like, but it is Pride next month, so I'm not, I'm not ashamed of who I am. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, girl's going to get that pouty D. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, mm, want to do it? <laughs> yeah, the little, the D is like, merp. Mm, yeah, fine. We'll do SEX. Mm, fine. Stop it. I don't feel like it. I'll do it. I'll do it anyways. Yeah, I'm a pouty D. Mm. I can't. I can't. You need to stop with the pouty D stuff. Cause I don't, I don't picture yeah, it like pouty, on. like powder. It's like pouty, like, like you're doing yeah, right like now. A baby, like P O U T Y. That's how I. That's how I, in my mind, that is how the character has evolved. <laughs> Fine. Oh, Roy. I'll get in there. Mm. I better wear a raincoat. Or maybe it's pouty because it can't get it. It's like, please. Oh, I just want to get buried all up in it. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. <laughs> buried all up in it. Woof a doodle dandy. <laughs> That's my great great grandpappy used to call it. Howdy <laughs> D. Howdy D. So, oh God. Okay, back in business. An important part to add is when the trial for Chase started, Dan Kavanaugh went into hiding and the defense team was unable to locate him. This trial would go on for five months and the defense attorneys were very literally laughable. Oh, God. It was painful to watch. I don't know if this guy's guilty or not, to be perfectly honest, but I do know that he definitely had the right to a new trial because they were not even on the same page. (laughs) Like, their names were Raj Maline and James McGee. First of all, McGee ended up coming down with a very strange illness Hmm. uh, where, according to him, he felt no emotions. That's just called 
being a sociopath, I yeah, think. That's called being a defense attorney. <laughs> It's called passing the bar. <laughs> he said that he would just stare out the window for hours and people would come in and they'd be like, hey, how are you doing today? And he'd be like, I don't know. What the? This is literally what he was saying. Oh my God. He's like, I'm not going to divulge too much of my health problems, but I will say that I had to involve a neurologist. Ever heard of it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so yeah, he would just stare out the window with no feelings. But what came from that was him leaving the case for the afternoon because he wasn't feeling well, mm -hmm. and it turned into a prolonged period of time that left Malene to pick up the slack and go back and start to build relationships with the witnesses that McGee was supposed to be dealing with. Mm. And I did watch one part where he's trying to, like, go over some facts with this woman. Yeah. She's like, I feel like, like, I'm not, we're not meshing. She's like, I have built up this relationship with McGee, and, like, now, like, you're here. Oh, my God. Look, lady. Somebody's life hangs in the balance. Yeah. Here. Like, can, right? do you think that maybe you can just, like, let's have a glass of wine, you chill the fuck out for a minute. Yeah. Let's get to know each other. That's right. But Chase asked his attorneys to swab absolutely everything. He wanted the sledgehammer swabbed. Mm. He wanted everything to be DNA tested. Because, according to him, he was confident that his DNA would not be on anything. Right. Because he probably knew that if you wore a certain protective gear. Doesn't matter. He shouldn't have worn the protective gear. gear if he did it because none of that was done. Oh, okay. They didn't swab anything. Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. They should have tested the hammer, of, like the sledgehammer's handle, because obviously the killer would have had to hold that, right? Yep. And it had grooves in it, which is perfect for holding on to DNA. It mm -hmm. makes it very easy to swab, but that wasn't done. Why swab a murder weapon? Why bother? I mean, this, we're just, honestly, we're wasting everyone's time. Mm -hmm. Maybe you heard the last episode of the OJ trial that we did and realized that DNA evidence doesn't really factor in. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right, eh? They're like, oh, we need to swab that hammer. We just finished watching the OJ trial. <laughs> Trust me, DNA don't, don't mean shit. It. You don't need it. <laughs> um, however, Summer's bra was tested. And there was a male DNA profile on the inside of her bra that did not match her husband or Chase Merritt. Oh, hmm. the inside of her bra. The inside of her. Now, how does that work? Like, here, pop that off. Let's test it. Maybe just, I don't know. You're going in, like, <laughs> to present it? First of all, we need to get, we need Video to be on portion. YouTube, I think, because Matt just... <laughs> grabbed his own chest, and attempted to whip out what wasn't there. <laughs> I presented it. Presentation is yeah. that's what it's all about. Yeah, no, the garnishes were a lovely touch. No, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the garnishes. Oh, Just as a lemon on it. Get that's the radish? <laughs> it's not a radish. You should see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, and because Dan Kavanaugh could not be located, the judge deemed that they could not go over anything to do with Kavanaugh, including threatening texts. And another blow to Chase was that they were very much allowed to hear all about his earlier crimes. That's very rare, I find. Yeah. We always talk about like a guy who's, you know, beating up a 30 people and then he's on trial for beating somebody to death. And they're like, you know what? We're actually going to not include his past. In Which this is trial. the craziest thing, right? I know. It's like... It's like, well, this guy sexually assaulted seven people and this is a sexual assault case. But... He did the other sexual assaults at his house, and this was in a field, yeah, so they're totally. really different. <laughs> it's bullshit. No, it's crazy. So the cell phone pinging near the gravesite is strange, right? Yes. Chase explained that away by saying that his sister lives on the opposite side of the cell tower. So they did show it, and it's a triangle. So say the cell tower's here, mm -hmm. his sister lived here, gravesites were here. Right. I wish 
you guys could see what I was doing. Because it was more of a straight line than a triangle, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I didn't want to say anything, but I was like, I don't know if Linda. I don't know shapes. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I will post a picture of the... Flattened triangle? The straight line that... <laughs> And the garnish on Matt's chest. So I'm thinking, for example, <laughs> his cell phone. I guess you don't you don't get the location, like the south side of the tower. Well, when we have his an expert. Lives in the north. We have an expert. All right, let's bring him in. Come on in. Oh no, the defense attorney didn't think that was necessary. Oh, that's good. <laughs> he was sitting in the the audience waiting to be called. You're shitting me I swear right to God. now. So initially, his sister had said that he had not come to her place in about five years. <laughs> But later, when she testified, she would say that he came to see her regularly. So that didn't look great. Okay, that's nice. They also pulled up security footage that the neighbor had that showed the vehicle leaving the street. The prosecution was now saying that it was not the Isuzu. It was Chase's white utility truck. They would get two forensic analysis to take the stand, and they would say conflicting things about what kind of a vehicle it was. (laughs) They hired Dr. Lenny Rudin who initially started working with the prosecution. This is important. So they started working with the prosecution in the beginning, believing that it was Chase's white truck. But after Dr. Rudin looked into it further and compared the body size of the truck to the body size of this, he believed that it wasn't Chase's truck. And when the prosecution learned that he was not on their team anymore, Mm -hmm. they fired him as a witness. Isn't that crazy that you can totally just get the witness that fits your narrative? Right. Like that, I, I guess that's the point of it, but that's so no, fucked up no, to me. It's not, so the prosecution withheld this information from the defense, which, did what? you toot? No, no, sorry. No, that was the, <laughs> that was just the stool. Again, did you feel like we'd said that before? It's a stool moving, which is also a toot, but. No, there's a stool I've got my feet on. So the prosecution withheld information from the defense, which could aid in their argument, which is also called the Brady violation, and it is grounds for mistrial. Okay, I know nothing about trials then. Chase even had an expert on cell tower pings that would testify that Chase's pings that day were inaccurate, stating that something that he read in the report would actually be impossible to have happened Mm. if the data was correct, but... Of course, the defense did not call him. (laughs) Even though he sat in court ready to be called, they would later say that there was an FBI agent that got on the stand, and he said that he could not say that the cell phone pings would be coming from someone standing at the gravesite, and there was no clear way to determine where the ping had come from, just that it had been in that general vicinity, um, which could also include his sister's home. His defense attorney found that statement to be, quote, Good enough. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. (laughs) There was a lot of fumbling of this case. And on June 10th of 2019, Chase Merritt ended up being found guilty of murdering the McStay family. And he was sentenced to death for three out of the four murders and for life for the fourth. What's the... What's... I think that if you charge somebody, like, if one of the life sentences falls through, Mm -hmm. you have these other ones to fall back on. And if maybe the death penalty gets removed, then you have life to to kind of cover all your grounds. Yeah, okay. Um, And he was sentenced to death. California's governor, Gavin Newsom, has put a hold on all executions. So for now, Chase is spared the death penalty. And do you like Gavin Newsom? Um. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. He's, he's kind of like the Justin Trudeau of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> live you know, and let live, which I kind of, I like, I appreciate that, but in the state, I don't know if they should be running. 
things, but he was quoted saying, I will not oversee the execution of any person while I'm governor. Yeah, you got him and DeSantis kind of opposite ends of the government spectrum. Yeah. I know for COVID, they were going kind of hand head to hand head. in the news, yeah. Chase did try to get a new trial based on his attorneys being incompetent. However, it was denied, and Charles Chase Merritt is sitting on death row in San Quentin State Prison. Ooh, San Quentin. Yeah. It's a hard-ass prison. And there you have it, the McStay family disappearance. So, so what? okay, number one, I thoroughly believe that he is guilty in this. Okay. Um, but I also... It's funny, I struggle, okay, because I think it's, it's, it'd be a bullshit waste of time to do a retrial, mm-hmm. but I also think he deserves one. Yeah, well, he definitely deserves one. You know, one. but then again, all that spending, and, and he's just going to be found guilty again because he's just guilty. Like I Well, just now feel, they have Dan Kavanaugh too, right? So they can also, like, the fact that they couldn't bring in any of the things that he's done or his threatening yeah. messages is, to me, is, I mean, I don't know if... Uh, if it would make a difference. Like, it's not like Dan Kavanaugh could alter a lot of things. He can't alter the cell phone ping tower, though I don't think. Right, yeah. But who knows? Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how much people know. It's not, I don't know that much, so. <laughs> 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 I couldn't even alter my report cards when I was a kid. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> so that's that. Yeah, cool. Okay. That was a lot of fun. Awesome. <laughs> no, I'm just On to the next one. All right. Bye. bye. 